What is going on, FA Nation? My name is Justin Fensterman, along with my buddies and pals, John and Pemba, and James Grande joining us. Yes, he does exist. No Manti Teo situation here. It's another edition of Family Times here on FantasyAlarm.com. Guys, what's going on? How are you? Grande, where have you been hiding, bro? Um, I've been hiding under the, uh, the fatherhood blanket and uh, just, you know, grinding uh just putting out content not th- via podcast or live stream but you know still around still here still have a baby face um happy to be back with the boys yeah and no, i don't think you i don't think you put enough pictures of your very cute child on social media grande you should do a little more we haven't had enough exposure but still grande you look like already the father of the year and you're just starting out so that right there is the definition of a one seed. Speaking of one seeds, our managing editor of FantasyAlarm.com, he's the make or break. He is the backbone himself. He is the glorious one. Big Papa Pump is your hookup. Holler if you hear him. He's John and Pemba. John, what's going on? Uh, I'm very flattered by everything that you just said uh, as my introduction. Uh, I, I would like to continue to acquire different nicknames. So, uh, you know, the glorious one, of course, is is one that I am very fond of. Uh, but yeah, nickname of my fantasy football team is Big Papa Pump. Is really uh really got me jacked. If only they could uh, perform as well as he did during his WCW days, and not <laughs> his run with WWE, oh, uh, like my current teams currently are. Uh, yeah, James. I'm- just so you know, I know you're in left field by yourself right now, like you're Steven Glansberg. But I'll let you know that when it comes to what John's talking about. It is our alarm after hours late night freaks listener league where John's team is just decimated week after week. One after in five. Week. One it, in five. Can't it's win. bad, man. It's it's bad. And he's lost a lot of players, and it's gotten to the point where everybody in the league's trying to rally behind him, and <laughs> they're rooting for him even when they're playing him to win. Well, they're, they're either rallying for me or they're trying to rob me blind with half of these trades if I'm just like a dead body on the side of the road here. Uh, we don't have these teams, though, guys. I mean, I have a one in five team. I mean, Grande, I know you don't lose often, but what what's the record of your worst team in fantasy football? Um, two and four in a couple leagues over on RT Sports. Honestly, this is this has probably been one of my best years in a long time. So I am winning a lot more um, than I'm losing, but I have a couple two and four teams that shouldn't be two and four. I've just made some bad managerial decisions, like uh, drafting Juju Schuster, uh, Smith-Schuster. Um, That's not a bad manager. I know, playing him over anybody uh, with that is breathing right now um, no, is a no, bad manager. I, I, I'm going to disagree. Oh, man, you just got you're, – you're continuing a conversation that Adam Ronis and I started, and this is the problem right there. This is the problem. And I want everybody to listen right now. Not James. James isn't a problem, at least in this area. Other areas, and, but in this area, here's the deal, James. I'd be starting Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, if you have this stacked receiving core with four of the best, that's one thing. But if you've got some scrubs, you've got some guys who are boom or bust at this point. I mean, going into the week, yeah, you want to start Juju Smith-Schuster. That's not bad managerial decisions. They're not just getting him the football. And another theory that a few of us have, he could be hurt still. Maybe he's not 100% healthy. So I don't think it's bad managerial decisions. Deontay Johnson, he's out. 
You're naturally expecting this guy to get more targets. Chase Claypool, now the shiny new toy. You would think teams want to shut him down. James Washington's James Washington. But at least you know one thing. Juju should be getting the ball, especially with no Deontay Johnson. It didn't happen. That's not on you. Well, if I told you I started him over James Conner, would that change your mind? Yes, it would. Okay. Why? Well, I'm not going to tell you that. I'm not going to tell you that. Uh, then that's that's what I'm saying. So I shouldn't be two and four, but I just it's just one of those situations. Like John not starting a quarterback uh, against me this week in our fantasy alarm staff league. It's what? just one of those things that you 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 you. Uh, <laughs> what's guys? Wait, time. What's going on here? What are you guys doing? John has a – ask John who his one rostered quarterback is in our fantasy alarm staff league. Is it a two-quarterback league or it is, is it a one? It is a one-quarterback league. Uh, his quarterback no longer is uh, active. Listen, is listen, listen. Jack Prescott. Listen, I may have overlooked a team this past week, Okay. I may have overlooked the team. And I mean, yeah. if you just start a quarterback, my team had an awful week. But, yeah. like, thankfully, thank you. I know you did it to, like, make me feel better. Yeah. Um, you pushed yeah. me to 5-1 and one because he didn't start a quarterback. I was uh, – I started off this league 3-0, and our fantasy alarm staff league, and it's just been uh, just a lot of trouble with injuries, and then I lost my quarterback, and then I forgot about it. So, yeah, you know, that was uh, – yeah, Zeros will do that to you there, John. I you mean, know, listen – we we talk about the good all the time, you know. It's time to let everybody know that there are occasions like everybody else where uh, we're busy. And okay. you know what? You know what? And I think one that's... league on RT Sports. I don't frequent that. <laughs> okay, so wait a minute. This is now. This is something I'm noticing in this discussion. This is now the second time RT Sports was brought up when an issue happened. For instance. James is saying, oh, I have a few two and four teams, but they're on RT Sports. It's their fault, okay? John and Pemba not starting a quarterback against James Grande. It's on RT Sports. Uh, guys, what's up with RT Sports? I'm reading the code. I'm Chris Jericho. I'm the code breaker in Pemba. I have too many leagues on other platforms that are a bit more uh, popular uh, that also have money attached to them. So, uh yeah, I just forgot. I just and, and it's a, I realized it. I remembered it. But RT Sports doesn't let you make roster moves after one o'clock. Yeah, so that's even a, if well, that's kind of BS. Yeah, yeah it's a tough, so that's I a tough, realized yeah. my mistake because I remembered I had Dak. And there was nothing I could do about it. It wouldn't let me pick up any of the four p.m. game quarterbacks. Yeah, it's BS. I, yeah. I agree. That is, I mean, there was only like one. 4 p.m. game anyway. There was so two, and then there's two night games on Sunday. I mean, John. Don't get me wrong, was John. probably there. You're not off the hook, John. You're not off the hook. That's I'm pretty bad. I'm letting myself off the hook. I'm just explaining why the mistake happened. <laughs> yes. And and that's, by the way, that, that needs to be rectified somehow, some way. I know we have some contacts in there on the inside. Maybe that should be discussed. But, yeah, John, it's still – that's what we call not ideal. And I guess we might as well talk about it now. Idiotic moves of the season. And the reason why I wanted to talk about this was, guys, because as you both humbly just did – you did something that a certain percentage of fantasy analysts will not do, and that's admit their mistakes. Admit when they're wrong. Admit how you learn from mistakes. And that's something that I hold near and dear to my heart, guys, because as someone who has 
produced radio shows in the fantasy sports industry, hosted shows, now hosting streams and writing content. It's one of those things, guys, where we're human. You know, we're not machines. We're men and women. That's who we are. And, and we're making mistakes. And there are certain analysts that want to put the allure out there that they're undefeated. They want to put the allure out there that they're 90% successful. They do. They say they want all these units, this and that, when it comes to wagering, but they won't admit the mistake that they made. They won't admit when they have a bad team. There are certain industry analysts who have been in, let's just say, celebrity leagues that are the standings are tweeted out and they get all bent out of shape because they're sitting there in 10th place with an under 500 record. And they don't want anyone to see that. And guys, I kind of think that it should be the opposite. I feel like it makes us all, us, the consumers, everyone in this space, it makes us all one when we're admitting that even us who crunch numbers and do research and talk about it all day long every day, we make mistakes too, just like the common player. Yeah, we're no different. I mean, we, we maybe do this for a living. We research it a little bit more in depth. Uh, but we're prone to mistakes, bad judgment, uh, you know, bad luck, um, you know, however you want to call it. So, I mean, uh, you know, if we were all winners here every single time, we'd be probably doing something else, right? So, like, <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, we would be maybe running the show or something. I don't know. A lot right. richer. <laughs> right. And a lot of people are taking victory laps, Grande. You're all over Twitter. You're seeing them. A lot of people take victory laps every single week. But, you know, Grande, do you think that people who take victory laps should also be taking loser laps, admitting the L's as well? I just think it humanizes everybody when we can all admit where we went wrong and talk about our mentality and thought process behind the decision. Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't think there's anything wrong with the victory lap. Like, maybe not like a one-week victory lap. It would have to be like a bigger sample. But I definitely think that you balance it out with the people that you've been wrong on. And there's, you know, it happens. Like, again, John said we'd probably all be billionaires elsewhere if we got everything right. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's wrong anything wrong with victory laps. and. And we've all had our fair share publicly, yes. right? We've all said it on a podcast or a live stream or been proud of like a DFS lineup that we've put out or a player. Um, but it is just very, it, it's cool for like the public to see it. Like when we admit our wrong, I think that we can connect with them better that way. It's instead of just being a robot, because it's so robotic to just be a hundred percent right all the time. And it's because, it just doesn't happen. That's just We're, we can't all be lineup generators. Right. We all exactly. are, and we all have different perspectives. We all watch these games and see different things. And that's why when you watch a play of some kind, a crucial play that you just saw was something like busted coverage, and then you rewind it and you watch the play again, you're gonna see something that you didn't see before. That's different perspective. And that's why we need to admit where we went wrong. And maybe some of you had the same thought process. And guys, I know we're, we're calling it at the line here the next play, but I think one of the things we can do right now is a secondary family table here on Family Times. Maybe because all of us do content, we answer questions. 
why don't we go around in the circle maybe two or three times and talk about a player that we were wrong about thus far as for most leagues that start playoffs in week 14, we're at the halfway point. Are you guys willing to do that with me? Yeah, yeah I'll talk about guys that have been okay. wrong. That's All right, not, I'll, I'll start. I'll start. Probably my biggest L ever. And I did a ADP TV video about this guy saying, stay away from him. Go after someone else. And that's Aaron Jones. Totally wrong on this. The reason I was wrong on Aaron Jones, I was wrong on the whole Packers. I was. I mean, I wanted Devontae Adams. That I was on. Grande, you and I in a best ball auction, bidding <laughs> yeah. like crazy on him yep. on one Saturday afternoon after a few white claws. <laughs> uh, Michelopes. Michelopes for me only. Claws for me. But besides that, guys, I read too much into A.J. Dillon. I said, oh, they got their next guy. They're going to groom him. They're going to let Jamal Williams do some of the dirty work. They're going to groom this guy. He's going to be involved early. And I was all about not wasting, or at least what I thought was wasting, in quotes, an early to middle second round pick on this guy. And I realized about a week before the season, when I read a report that A.J. Dillon is going to be slowly brought in, that I am dead wrong and my argument and my stance against Aaron Jones, the whole touchdown regression from all the arguments on down that I had were now in quicksand, guys. That's a big L I'm taking right now. He's been one of the best in fantasy. I was with you on the Aaron Jones call. I, for all the reasons that you mentioned, same. I was touting the same thing. and I, I didn't think it was possible for him to repeat the touchdown numbers, and therefore I felt like where he was being drafted – he was being overvalued because if he doesn't score 16 touchdowns or whatever it was last year, where are we sitting with his overall production? Because, you know, he had barely had 1,000 yards. He was, you know, yeah, he was involved in passing you, but the touchdowns would drove that, you know, that fantasy production. So um, I was with you on that. Um, a guy that I was uh, high on uh, and is kind of a two-parter here um, because I guess I devalued C.D. Lamb's impact. So, therefore, I was too high on Michael Gallup. Uh, I thought Lamb, as a rookie wide receiver, no offseason, you know, would come in and, and sort of take over what we saw from Randall Cobb last year with Dallas and, you know, his 50 catches, his 800 yards, and he would fit nicely as that wide receiver three option. I thought Gallup was going to be in for a breakout year. I thought there was an opportunity for him to exceed Amari Cooper as the team's number one, you know, receiving target. He was a downfield threat. He was scoring touchdowns. You know, the way he was progressing in this offense you know, based off last year, I thought this was his year three breakout. This is what was going to happen. And Dak started throwing the ball all over the place. But Gallup wasn't really putting up any big numbers. He had one big game uh, on the year where he got it done for you. But other than that, he's been rather pedestrian, handful of targets here, only deep shots, and the numbers just haven't been there. And now, no Dak, Andy Dalton, I, I recommended on the Fantasy Alarm Show uh, on Tuesday that Gallup's a guy I would drop if I owned. I would look for a player that's possibly on waivers, a T. Higgins maybe, or something like that, that's out there in half the leagues and replace Gallup. Because like you said, Justin, we're halfway through the regular season now. We're approaching playoffs. We can't wait for guys to start producing anymore. You know, we can't feel like, oh, well, it's early on. He'll eventually turn it around. Well, we have six-game sample size at this point. We know, kind of know how offenses are going, what guys are involved, and what their roles are in. And right now it's it's you know Michael Gallup getting four deep throws a game and praying he catches them. So uh, Gallup was a guy that I was very wrong on, unfortunately. 
Grande, where were you at? On, where were you at on the Cowboys offense before you give someone that you were wrong? Where were you? Who were you investing in? Because for me, I, I really wanted CeeDee Lamb when I started to see right at the tail end of the of draft season. He in a couple leagues, he went up to the end of the sixth round. That's where I said I'm going to pump the brakes on him now. But when he was going in the eighth round. I said, okay, at this point, I think he's the most athletic receiver in this highly skilled rookie wide receiver class. Why the hell not take that shot? Where were you on the Cowboys offense? I was kind of on John's side with Michael Gallup. And I think John brought up a good point about devaluing CeeDee Lamb. I think I did that with like the whole rookie class, just at receiver, and which is obviously a massive mistake because there has been no misstep by any of the rookie receivers but um definitely was on the gallop train i mean he had a thousand yards last year um and was clearly in dak prescott's like corner i mean the drops were an issue but other than the drops i mean gallop had over a thousand yards in year two or and he was poised for another big year so i was more on the gallop train um i have always thought amari cooper was inconsistent and that's another miss because he has been incredibly consistent this year and that's it's probably been the first time we can say that about Amari Cooper's um career but I I don't have exposure to Cooper or Lamb anywhere I, but I have I do have Michael Gallup exposure um on a on a few teams and and it has been definitely disappointing um I in the offseason and John can attest to this I I died on the Matt Breida Hill going to going to the Dolphins. Um, I mean, they traded for him. It's not like they signed him. They they seeked out Matt Breida, a guy who on multiple occasions throughout his career averaged 4.5 or, or better, even five over five yards of carry for a season in San Francisco. Um, he's been touted as one of the fastest backs when he gets in the open field. There's no one going to catch him. There's big play ability. And he was pegged as the 1B to Jordan Howard. The whole offseason, it was Jordan Howard, 1A. It was Breida, 1B, as the pass-catching back, and which made sense because Ryan Fitzpatrick, there's a nice safety blanket with Breida as the pass-catcher, as long as Breida were to stay healthy, which has been his number one concern. Well, that's not the concern this year. It's getting on the field and taking Miles Gaskin off the field, who nobody knew about. And nobody touted or or picked. Um, and Matt Breida, in result of Gaskin's success, has played less than 30 snaps in all but one game this year. And in that one game, it was 31% of the snap share. So I was touting Breida as an RB2 ceiling because the, when he was healthy in San Francisco, he was great. And, and we, you know, Chan Gailey coming to coming out of retirement to the Dolphins, he's always been the first offensive-minded coach. And it still remains true because Gaskin is getting a lot of work, but Gaskin is not Matt Breida, and I had a lot of Matt Breida everywhere. At least Matt Breida is getting on the field while the rest of us at Fantasy Alarm are taking the L on Jordan Howard. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, my God. At least he got some touchdowns early in the year. Yeah, to salvage yeah, three something. straight games with a touchdown, but then he's been inactive. For the inactive. Last. They, yeah. they need to just let him go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, why are you still holding on to him? I, they should do that with. They should package Fitzpatrick and Jordan Howard and send them. I don't know. 
Fitzpatrick okay. should go to Dallas. That's the fit for Fitzpatrick. Ooh. To, to Dallas. I like that. I like but it. What do you do with Dalton? I mean, you're, you're paying Dalton $6 million. I don't and think I'm Jerry Jackson. Jones... But does Jerry Jones care about the $6 million at this point? Like, Jerry Jones has a winnable division. Like, this division is literally just being handed to everyone. And you... I saw you retweet it, John, the, the, the Spider-Man meme where all the <laughs> NFC East teams are pointing <laughs> at each other. Like, it's literally that. But, like, doesn't Ryan Fitzpatrick make Dallas, like, a, I mean, he he's won three straight games with the Miami Dolphins. Like, yeah. look at the weapons he has, he would have in Dallas. In, yeah. including, including the defending NFC champions, too. Right. I mean, I would say that it's also year two with him in, in Miami, so he has a better understanding of the offense a little bit more. You know, if he goes to Dallas, he has to learn everything new on the fly. You know, is he going to be ready right away? Uh, I, I think Dallas – I don't see him being traded to Dallas. I don't see him being traded. I You know, why would Miami get rid of Fitzpatrick at this point and who's going to back up Tua, right? Like right. They, Tua, Tua is not the healthiest. I know he's deemed healthy now. Obviously, he's going to be starting. By the way, I found it very comical that Fitzpatrick, according to the reports that I've seen, was was surprised that he – was getting benched. And I was like, there was no game plan the entire time. Well, everybody reported yesterday that they were thinking like, this was the plan probably all along and how great of a professional Ryan Fitzpatrick is. And yet, right. and then today he's like, I'm pissed. <laughs> he's like, I was fired. I made today. I had to sit in a meeting it with for four hours with the guy who took my job and the guy who fired me. You know, I'm <laughs> like, you know, he was like, yeah, no, I was not expecting this. I you know he's like, he said for the first time in his career, this was an organization that he was invested in outside of Buffalo. Uh, like, he was saying a lot of things that made it seem like he is stunned that he would be benched at this point. I mean, they're a winning team, right? Or a 500 right. team. Yeah, uh, yeah, so, I mean, like, an opportunity to win the division. You know, the, the, the Bills have lost two straight. Like, there's an opportunity for Ryan Fitzpatrick to lead this team to the playoffs. And Flores is like, yeah, but, you know... You're not our future. And I think Flores is sort of playing with house money at this point. Like, he didn't care if his team was good or not this year. He's just still working on getting his guys onto the roster, inserting his system. This is a new offensive coordinator. They fired their offensive coordinator from last year. Um, you know, so they were just reworking things, and I think they sort of plan out because he's a long-term contract with them. Plus, they also have Houston's first and second round picks. Right. So, I mean – you know, I, again, I don't think this was a season where Flores expected to be where he is at this point. And maybe in his mind, the plan was always like get to the bye week and then two is the guy. Uh, and, you know, here we are. And, and by the way, speaking of the Dolphins very quickly, and then I don't I don't even really want to talk about them anymore because a lot of them just pissed me off. What, what's it going to take for Preston Williams to get more targets? I mean, seriously. Maybe Tua. What, like, I hope so. Possibly Tua. I, I'm tired of this, and they don't have anyone, and I'm tired of seeing Jakeem Grant, and I want this guy to get open more. Yeah. That's the thing. It's not that hard, and Devontae Parker's going to take a bad spill every other week. So at some point, we have to see more than one explosion of a game. He's had one, just one, double-digit production when it comes to games this year in PPR, and that to me is just completely pathetic speaking of pathetic and john you can join me on this train as well that's about to go off the track maybe my second biggest l of the season k 
Cam Akers thus far. And look. It's not our fault. It's not. I mean, he got hurt. He fell behind the eight ball. Now Sean McVay's completely bailed out. He said he was going to use multiple backs last year. He was going to split the carries between Gurley and Henderson. Did not happen. He lied. I feel like Maury. That was a lie. This year he's saying that he is going to use all the backs. That was not a lie. Okay, Cam Akers gets hurt. So now you have Malcolm Brown more involved. You still wonder who the guy is for a couple weeks. Then it's Henderson. Then we're told by Sean McVay that he's going to get Akers more involved. That was a lie. He played one snap. So how am I, at this point, desperate for running backs? You're stuck. You can't drop this guy at this point. And if you're under 500, that's a dead roster spot right now. And it sucks. Yeah. I mean, I feel – so, I, you know, again, he was one of my tough cuts from yesterday's Fancy Alarm show as well. Because while you're right, Fancy, like the opportunity for him eventually to – be an impact is certainly there because if one injury to Daryl Henderson or Brown, he's, he's going to be forced into the rotation, but you can't actually confidently start him at all this right. year. So he is only there on your bench. Find yourself in a position where you need guys that, that can actually get on your team and give you fantasy points. Akers can't be that guy. And, and for that reason, he was a guy that I would say it's tough. You don't want to, but at this point we're seven games in the year. You got to let them go. Just, that's not what – that's really just – I loved everything I watched on tape. I saw the crap he played through at Florida State and how he was able to still do what he did with a crappy offensive line. And then, John, I remember when we were on one of our roundtables, you actually stood behind me and you defended me because you said, well, let's not forget – he did catch a few receptions as well. Hey, 26 so he, catches in a senior year in college, right. in college or whatever. Right. Which is pretty good for a college running back. But let's keep giving Robert Woods carries. Let's just keep giving him carries. Stupid. <laughs> By the way, I, I find it interesting that I'm I'm hearing the murmurs. I'm reading the tweets. People are starting to turn on Sean McVay a little bit. Just a little bit. He's not well, the golden boy anymore. He, he got sort of exposed in that Super Bowl. And then after that, I feel like he... You know, then he had the bad year last year, and it was like, well, whoa. All right, is it just that they needed to have an understanding of what he do- he does, and he's actually not capable of even changing the game plan after that? So, uh, you know, I think he got a little bit of exposed there in that Super Bowl. I think, to be fair, his quarterback cannot read at all. Jared Goff is a one receiver. He looks at one receiver, and I think that, McVay's offense will benefit from literally anybody but Jared Goff. Right. And it's it's literally, it's Robert Woods or Bust at this point when it comes to this team. And it's, you were going to say, were you going to say Cooper Cup Grande? Well, I mean, he dropped two touchdowns last week. So it wasn't right. like Cooper Cup wasn't being targeted in the red zone or it wasn't like he wasn't involved in the offense. He dropped two Wide open scores, one that was 50-plus that he couldn't adjust to in the air. Um, so, like, is like, can we say that Cooper Cup's not involved enough if he's the one that's, you know, ruining his own production? No, I, I don't he's know. involved. He's just not taking advantage and producing, but he's right. still involved. So, I mean, it's, you know, that's that's not lack of involvement. That's him screwing up opportunities, so... 
I mean, man, just it's it's hard. This year has not been easy, but we trudge along, guys. I mean, is is there anybody else worth bringing up from either of you? My mine was Ryan Tannehill. I had Tannehill as like the seventeenth ranked quarterback when I was you and everyone else, right? Right. Even like, I mean, jeez. He's currently, if you go by <laughs> points per game this season, he's sixth. Uh, if you go by actual fantasy points scored, he's tenth, but he's played one less game than most of the guys that are ahead of him. So right. I, I don't want to go total fantasy points because it's unfair. Uh, sixth most fantasy, average fantasy points per game at the quarterback position. I didn't believe the end of how we performed last year. I thought it was just an uh, opportunity of circumstance where teams had to play the run. And, you know, he just kind of caught lightning in a bottle and carried it over. But he's carried it over into this year, and he's throwing for touchdowns still. Um, they're still running the football effectively, but, uh, you know, his numbers are consistent to what they were. So uh, maybe Ryan Tannehill really just needed to get away from Miami, get with a competent coach in Mike Vrabel, and <laughs> let the talent thrive. So uh, on Tannehill. But like you said, Grande, he was he ranked like 16th on most depth. Right. So it's not as if people were like super high on him, but I didn't think he was worthy of being a starting quarterback. Um, and, you know, I wasn't drafting him. I was, you know, considering guys taking after him, uh, but proved out that I was uh, very wrong. I mean, he's a weekly start right now. It's he's literally you plug and play Ryan Tannehill right now, like every week. And like, would you start him this week against Pittsburgh? Ooh. I wouldn't want to. <laughs> but but like but like you look at the numbers and you're like well, I, I mean okay, Derrick Henry I, had two hundred Pittsburgh today uh, this week you know um, I don't have they, the schedule in front of me they are if they're home I like it a little bit better they are in Tennessee yeah I like I like that a little bit better Pittsburgh's home defense is filthy going back to last year I, even though there's no crowds or anything like that this year for whatever reason when Pittsburgh's at home their sacks and their turnover rate is just much higher than it is on the road so. Um, I would. I like it maybe a little bit more. I like it a little bit more. How about this, guys? How about this? Let me throw this one out there. What about Drew Brees or him? Brees against the Panthers. I would probably go yeah. Brees against the Michael Panthers. Michael Thomas is back this week, so I would give. I would go Brees. That's what I was thinking too. I would go Brees, but like the Steelers it, did lose, lose Devin Bush though, and that's a big loss to their defense. Right, and their secondary as good as like they're the number one ranked defense in DVOA against the rush. They're not like great against the pass. I think they may explode. The problem is he also lost Taylor Luan this week for the year. So like is Pittsburgh going to kill Ryan Tannehill this week is the real right. question. Hmm. Right. Um, I think if fancy one more guy that I, I was pretty high on and I actually on the live stream on fancy alarm live stream. Um, I love Devin Singletary, the player. But he just hasn't been that guy that I thought he was. And it really hasn't been because of Zach Moss either, which people were like, oh, Zach Moss is going to take away a lot of the work. Well, He's Zach got Moss, his chances because Moss has been hurt with the toe injury. Right, and he didn't necessarily perform. I, I thought Devin Singh, I mean, he averaged over five yards a carry. And, and John has always been the first one to stop me and be like, look, Josh Allen is going to score all of the touchdowns anytime he gets into the end zone. And then week one, Zach Moss had like 10 red zone targets or ca slash carries. Um, I 
liked Devin Singletary and I took him in, in too high of drafts and um, I'm paying the price, especially in the Raz Bowl where I was in the top five last week without Dalvin and Chris Carson relying on Devin Singletary to hold down the fort and he put up a three fantasy point outing and I am no longer in third in the Raz Bowl. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's just, it's not fun. I have Singletary in a league as well, and it's just, it's very debilitating. And what sucks is, and I was talking to Howard about this earlier on said live stream Fantasy Alarm Sports Talk. I was talk I was talking to him about this. I said, I'm trying to tell myself that with this Bills-Jets game, when the Bills go up 28 nothing. If they're just going to let Singletary just run each and every play. Zach I'm Moss. Trying, I'm, it's going to be yeah, Zach Moss. Right. It could be that because Zach Moss wasn't really used that much. What do you have, five carries, right? In, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's one of those things where it's just – he's just not fun. And in the league that I took him in, that I took him out of desperation, and I learned a valuable lesson that day, and he kind of blows, so – we're just going to leave that. And you know what? I'm going to call myself the idiot of the week because as soon as I made that pick, I heard the dark changing, the changing to the dark music in my mind. Like, da, da, da. I just messed up because I did. And that is why I'm going to call myself the idiot of the week for idiot of the week, guys. So, John and Pemba, who would you say is your idiot of the week? I'm actually going to f- – so – not just to steal what you did, but I'm going to follow with the trend of what you did and also call myself an idiot of the week because I took Derrick Henry out of my primary DFS lineup this week. Uh, I thought I was getting... I, I was trying to be a little bit contrarian with it, and I went with Aaron Jones instead, I, and I knew that Henry was in a good position. But I also thought I, Aaron Jones, as a contrarian low-owned guy at the 4 p.m. slate to get that exposure as a pivot off Henry would have been beneficial to me as well to try to be different in those, you know, GPP tournaments. Um, and for a while there, I was actually okay. I was talking with Sean Mitchell and James Grande in the chat that we're in. I'm like, hey, I'm okay that Derek Henry's doing nothing. And they're like, what do you mean he's doing nothing? He has like 100 yards. I'm like, yeah, but if he has 10 points, I win. Like, that's fine. Like, I, I don't, I need to avoid him getting 30. And pretty much like two minutes after I said that, he had a 94-yard touchdown run. He gave him uh, 15 points on top of that. And I'm like, well, now I lose because he's got 25. Then he finishes with like 250 and two scores. So uh, don't ever fade Derrick Henry, I think, is really the uh, the lesson learned here. Uh, if you want to be different or contrarian, do it elsewhere. Don't fade the top player on the slate. Like, you know. Derrick Henry versus Pittsburgh this week, John. Yeah. Uh, no, well, again. I don't think that there, he's the top play on the slate, though. So, right. Henry what about, last about, what about Camara? Camara is the top play of the slate. Yeah, I mean, well, so Camara is interesting to me because Michael Thomas being back, I wonder, is he going to keep getting 10-plus targets a game? You know, like, is the how is the offense shift now with Thomas, you know, active uh, in, in that lineup? So, it's going to be interesting. I'm going to have to do a little bit deeper dive and see exactly the matchups at the top of the running back position and where I'm going to go. You know, again, I don't think many will look at Henry there against the, the Steelers, but he's also fairly matchup proof. So who knows? Yes. Grande, where are you going? Who's your idiot um, of the week? Well, I'm not going to go with myself. So sorry to let you guys down. That that um, was to be expected. You can um, say me if you want. That's fine. You can just like parlay back on. 
I mean, I, I, I would appreciate, I mean, that's nice. Like, that's, you know, thank you for, you know, being the punchy bag this week. Um, I mean, I, I'm going to go back to someone you already brought up and go Sean McVay, Fancy. And, and I, I am Sean Mitchell. I was like, whoa. <laughs> no, I'm also frustrated about the Cam Akers situation, especially just with how much he talked about they're going to get Cam Akers more involved. And we saw Cam Akers break off that big run two weeks ago, and then he doesn't even play a snap. Like, what is Malcolm Brown doing for your offense that he's playing just as many snaps or, or a f- slightly fewer snaps than Daryl Henderson? I understand Daryl Henderson has been good, but why can't Akers play the, the pass-catching snaps and not Malcolm Brown? He's trash. Um, so I think Sean McVay is a pretty good offensive mind. Um I do think he has deficiencies because of his quarterback, um, but I do think that he's making a giant mistake now that he's not playing the NFC East, playing his most talented players, and that is their second-round draft pick in Cam Akers. Um, so I'm going to go Sean McVay here, and I feel like that can be a staple. Like That could just be, while for future podcasts that I'm not here, just know that I'm picking Sean McVay anyways until cam Akers plays i'm with you exactly it's kind of like how i felt when i kept roasting rudy gobert every single night on alarm after hours until (laughs) nba live action returned so i'm with you on that grande i'm with you on that buddy let's talk about what we're bringing to the family table now in recent weeks and recent episodes we have abandoned our alarming seven and we broadened it a little bit because you know what maybe we have some life advice Grande's a father. Maybe he gives some good fatherly advice. He already won father of the year. Guy's barely been father for a year. Haven't been talk- father for a year. That's confirmed. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Don Pemba, great chef. Maybe he has a good recipe. Because some of you, I know you've actually tried out Chef John's experimental dishes. And they've looked scrumptious. So maybe he has something there. Me, I don't bring much to the table, so I'm just going to give you a DFS play to start things off, guys. We'll go around circle style again. And this is someone that I keep bringing up. John, you heard me bring him up once again to Howard Bender. Doesn't want to have interest, but I'm going to keep talking about J.D. McKissick. If he's going to be cheap for DFS, if he's going to be getting close to or as many carries as Antonio Gibson, and if he's going to be playing a very, very embarrassing Cowboys team, And if he's going to be targeted six to eight times, I don't see why it's a bad thing, guys. So I'm going to say J.D. McKissick, he's safe to start. DFS value, especially on DraftKings, 4,600. Yeah. I mean, listen, I like him too. I don't know how Howard calls him McKissick, other than (laughs) I think he just likes to say McKissick. Definitely Uh, that. Definitely that. Because the stats don't bear it out. In a PPR league, the man is getting – he's got three straight games with at least six catches – I mean, he's he's a you know getting it done on a PPR format uh, for value, so I like it. Uh, first thing I'm going to bring to the table today is something that I've gone over a handful of times in different platforms, um, and because I'm as we're recording this, getting messages right now from people asking uh, about trade questions, and it's uh, stop trading for injured players. Again, I've, I've talked about this how many times, Fence, they have burned it up, and yet every week. They think, oh, I'm getting a good deal here by trading for Miles Sanders. It's like, well, are you? Because he's hurt. He's missing at least this week, maybe next week. The Eagles are not a good team. They don't have an offensive line. 
And we don't know how severe the injury really is. One to two weeks could turn into three to four. He, he could, you know, not feel comfortable with it practicing. So why are you going to give up any sort of capital on your roster right now to acquire uh, a guy that's injured? It just doesn't make any sense to me because not only are you then trading a healthy player for a hurt player, but you now need to replace the healthy player on your roster with somebody else that's either on your bench or off waivers. So you're hurting yourself uh, in that regards as well. So last week, I think I brought to the table, uh, understand what it actually means to buy low. Uh, this week mm-hmm. it is stop trading for injured players. They're, they just don't help your team. You're going to be giving up things that can help you in now uh, in hopes that maybe this person comes back and helps you in the future. Good advice. Very good advice. Grande, can you follow that? You don't normally give good advice, but let's see if you can shock the world. I, I think this is pretty good advice, and it's going to be short as the first thing I bring to the table. And um, I think that this year's election is the most important that we've had. And I just want to say go vote. And it doesn't matter your political affiliation or what you believe in. I, I just think that this year with what, you know, what we've dealt with, I think it's the most important thing that we could do as a society, as our civic duty, to just go vote. I voted today. I, I waited in line for an hour and a half. And I felt damn good after I voted. I voted for, you know, statewide and, and obviously our presidential election. But I, I think it is really important that everyone gets out and vote. We, we lost sight of that four years ago, and I, I don't think we should do that again. There you go. Go vote. Just do it. Hey, you know what? what? Make be heard. What are you hating on me for saying go vote? I see it. I see it in your eyes. I'm looking into your soul right now. You're like, damn, Grande, why you always got to get political here? No, the only thing you're seeing is that I really want some chicken parm right now, actually. <laughs> I'm hungry as hell, Grande, chicken if we're being great. honest with chicken you. Chicken parm would be a great thing for I, you. I really, I really want some chicken parm. Bring that to the <laughs> table, please. Yes, yes. So that's actually what I'm going to bring next then. <laughs> Probably I've been saying, you know, people say, well, well, you know, it's your birthday. What do you want? And I can say a lot of things I want on my birthday. But when is it comes it your birthday? It is not my birthday. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I missed that but, one. But yeah, I think, what, what's my ideal meal? What what meal would I just absolutely love? And just and I've said this before, but if I were to think of an ideal meal, I mean, I love me some sushi, but some nice chicken parm. And apparently there is a sandwich out there where you could get vodka sauce on your chicken parm and it's called a drunken chicken. And I've never had one of those before. So I want to get me one of those sandwiches, guys, because Pede alavaca is just like chicken parm. It's a one seed. Come on. Right. Chicken parm is definitely my favorite. When I used to work at a pizza sub shop, I used to make chicken parm subs uh, using mozzarella sticks uh, as like the cheese for the chicken parm sub. Uh, so basically you're getting a chicken parm mozzarella stick sandwich. Uh, it was fantastic. And have, it sounds like a heart attack, but it does sound highly recommend it. If you ever order a chicken parm, also order some mozzarella sticks and ask them to put the mozzarella sticks in the sub, and uh, you won't regret it. Cheese on cheese on cheese. You got to love it. Fantastic. Yeah, was uh, that your number two? That's and- not my number two, though. That I could <laughs> you know, slide in that thing here. Um, no, my number two is, is actually a call out to FA Nation who's listening here um, about air fryers. Uh, because, Damn it, John. Because Grande here... Has turned you can you can use it as your own uh, coming up next. I'm sure you're going to. Grande here tweeted out the other day that, that he's you know 
you or who was it? Was it you? That it you was used, me. I tweeted. Yeah, yeah I tweeted. They using the air fryer. Uh, Hallam is all about the air fryer. Sean Mitchell's all about the air fryer. I've gone back and forth on getting an air fryer because I've been reading reviews and some people in the reviews, you know, you read the bad ones, you're like, oh man, I don't want like the bad experience, right? You want the good experience where people's like, the food is amazing and not, oh, this is undercooked. This didn't get crispy enough. This is soggy. You know, so like I, I go back and forth. I'm like, how can it possibly fry things as well as it would if you were deep frying something? Um, but everybody says it's amazing. Uh, I want to hear from your guys' uh, air frying experiences and let me know, is it really worth uh, getting it? Because I've already heard from uh, the F.A. family, we'll say, uh, all highly recommending getting an air fryer, but I want to talk to everybody else, too. Well, I want to just plop my air fryer right on the table because that's what I was going to go with, number two. For all new parents non-parents for any human being um i recommend an air fryer because it is the simplest way to cook any meal that would take you generally half an hour to 45 minutes you don't have to prep anything you you have to prep very seldom i don't know if you saw hallam's tweet like an hour ago he literally there was a, a few seasonings on the table put them on the wings put it in the air fryer I made a steak in the air fryer. I don't I don't have a grill since moving into my new home um, not too long ago. Don't have a grill, but I have an air fryer. And that thing came out beautifully. The the meat or the uh, the fat on the sides was easy to chew. It was delicious. Every, the steak was cooked perfectly. I want I wanted it medium. It came out medium fancy. I, if I wanted it well done, I could I could keep it in 12 minutes for a, a New York strip. Um, straight from Publix. Shout out to Publix, the greatest grocery store on the planet. Pub, su- pub subs are... Pub subs, yes, correct. I've never um, had one. Oh, you're missing out. Well, you are absolutely You should go out. to Florida right now just for a Publix sub. Uh, buffalo chicken tender sub, specifically, yes. That sounds um, amazing. But yeah, air fryers, like, I, I, it's been our newfound dinner maker because we are just too tired to do anything else, and it takes 12... 10, 12, six minutes to to do whatever you want in that air fryer. Um, it has been a blessing, and um, I couldn't be I, – I can't see uh, – my tweet exactly was I can't uh, I can't imagine a life without an air fryer, and, and that holds true two days later. Air fryer, man. Air fryer, Fenstein. I'm fryer. telling you. You know, I, I'll check into it, man. The work, it is the work from home. Like, if you work from home, like, nothing better is than having it. Is it like just... a crock pot, except for frying stuff? Uh, somewhat like a crock pot, yeah. But it's it's obviously, you know, it's not like a slow, a slow cooker like a crock pot. It literally is the anti slow cook. It's an anti crock pot, but sem- sem- similar to crock pots. Nice. I'm, I'm excited for the lesson on how to make some. <laughs> <laughs> some buffalo cauliflower from the air dude by the way this is not my number three grande and i have talked about this before and, and i got to give some love to california pizza kitchen for introducing this amazing thing to me buffalo cauliflower yes, sir. is awesome it is awesome and it doesn't seem that hard to make grande you've sent me your lovely significant other's recipe 
And I just want to say, man, I have have I made it? No. I am so excited though, man, because once I get the rhythm down, I might not eat anything else. Ever. You know what's better than buffalo cauliflower? What? Buffalo chicken. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, that is true, but like <laughs> I live with a, a vegetarian, I so I am forced. Like, and I, I, I'm not even gonna say forced. I was forced, and then I changed my tone, and I actually thoroughly enjoy buffalo cauliflower. Yeah, but I, I will do. still choose buffalo chicken. See, I like it as a side. I like it as a side with my meal, whatever it is. It's not supposed to be a main course. Buffalo chicken, that's a little bit of a different story. My number three, though, and, and John, thanks for the inspiration for this, because my number three is also a call out to FA Nation, because normally when I like to buy, I don't I don't need a lot to be happy. You guys have known me for years. There's very little that I need, some Chipotle and, uh, and some sports, and I'm good. You won't hear from me again. However... Another interest that I have is old school video games. And one of the things that I have been looking into buying is a modified arcade cabinet. And there are the old arcade games that you find on, let's just say eBay, the old ones that are more than six grand and you probably have to get them serviced and stuff. But then there are these modified arcade games. You know, they're, they, they look like it. They have one for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time, my favorite video game of all time. I still have it on Super Nintendo, but I really want to get this. I guess it's a four foot tall arcade cabinet, but it comes with a riser that's about 12 inches. So what I want to know from all of you is, do you have this modified arcade cabinet? There are a ton of games that are out. It's very popular with kids. And number two, speaking of kids, is there enough space for adults to play on it, or is it very small? Guys, I don't know if you've seen these modified cabinets. It looks like there's enough space. The screen's a bit smaller than a normal arcade game, but I want this thing, and I'm saving up for it. It costs about 600 to 650 where I'm seeing it on Amazon. Walmart has it for a little cheaper. The game is awesome. It has the other Ninja Turtles arcade game included too. As, as long as there's enough space, I want to get this thing, guys. Yeah, I recently saw, uh, so my dad used to own a sports bar, and uh, at that sports bar with Golden Tee, uh, the golf game, I'm sure you guys are both probably yes. rather familiar with it, uh, so Best Buy was actually selling the Golden Tee arcade game for like 300 bucks, and I was going to buy it for his birthday, still still in discussions, he, he, he tells me if I buy it, he's going to yell at me for him, because he has nowhere in the house to put an arcade game, um, but I mean, like, come on. Like, wouldn't it be great just to have that in your living room, just Golden T2000 just there to play around with on and whatnot? Um, Take out the TV. Take out the TV and put Golden T instead. Yeah, right? So, like, uh, so, yeah, I know I know what you're talking about, Fancy. I've, I've seen them uh, around uh, now being sold because uh, retro video games is, like, the new thing. You can buy, like, the compact Sega, mm -hmm. you know, the old school Nintendo. You can buy, like, all those things that come with games preloaded. Uh, that's, like, the, the new thing to do. Right. I mean, Grande, have you seen this as well? I mean, you know me, man. You know I'm Mr. 90s and 2000s. And I just, the nostalgia and the cool thing about the Ninja Turtle game is the, the controls, the joystick and the buttons are color-coded, just like in the old school days, like the four Ninja Turtles. So it seems really cool, but I can't really go anywhere to experience. I guess I could go to Walmart and try it out and see if there's enough space. All the measurements I've taken says that there, there's enough space. But if any of you have these modified arcade cabinets, 
just let me know. I'm probably going to get it anyway, but hey, could <laughs> could use more heads here and, and definitely some opinions and reviews. Yeah, I've actually, uh, I know somebody who has a, I think, Pac-Man, I want to say, in, in one of those, the smaller ones. Um, it doesn't look any different. It's just obviously the dimensions are a little smaller. I think you wouldn't have a problem fitting it. Right. I just um, want you know, Grande, with that game, and then we can leave this topic because I'm sure you guys really don't give a S about this, but, you know, there you can play with four players at a time. Now, again, we're in a pandemic right now. Well, I'm not playing near one player, let alone <laughs> four. It's like my, you know, my wife will have to get permission to use the arcade machine. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but at the same time, eventually, hopefully, we're going to be out of this. And then I can have my buddies, John and James, and maybe Sean Mitchell, too, before we discuss the draft guide, maybe play in time. And I want to make sure everybody has enough space to breathe and to enjoy their gaming experience, arcade style. That's it. So. Thank you. I'm down. Thank I'm, you, guys. I'm Thank you for the this invite. platform. I I'm love this platform. I'm accepting the invite now, for the record. Hell yeah, I'm accepting dude. the invite now. You got to uh, figure out a way to Twitch stream that. You know, yeah, so, that'll you know. be fun. Uh, John, what's your number three? Yeah, so my number three here is... Uh, you know, we, we, we talked to a lot of people, obviously, who, who care a lot about, like, their fantasy teams. And, uh, you know, I had one one person recently talk, uh, talk about how they're uh, ready to give up, right? And, and fantasy, we talk about this all the time. Uh, just because your team is currently losing doesn't mean that it's time to just throw in the towel until the season is over, right? You know, you're in the leagues long enough to where all it takes is one win and then a second win. Then the third one, you're basically back on track. So don't give up until you're officially eliminated. Keep grinding. Keep looking to make trades. Not every trade has to be top-tier player for top-tier player. It's okay at this point to make smaller trades to help your roster. So, um, you know, again, we, we're at this point of the season. You, you hear it with the phone calls on Monday. People calling us upset, dejected. You know, it's like, the, it's like their puppy just got hit by a car. You know, like... It's it's just fantasy football. There's plenty of time still to come back from it. You just have to refocus and, and you know pay attention to what we're talking about and, and read the content over at Fantasy Alarm. Get in the chat, ask questions, look at trades. Always look to be active in your leagues because complacency is how you continue to lose. So uh, you know don't be down. There's plenty of time for you to turn it around. Definitely is. And if you really feel you're done in season long, keep trying. But Dabble in a little daily. Dabble in a DFS. All of a sudden, you're losing season. Man, I'm not going to win any money. You put a few bucks on a DFS lineup, you could double it. You play a 50-50, double your, and then, hey, that's a victory right there. And then you could do it again and again and again. Play with house money. You use our DFS playbook. And I think, guys, right now is time to talk about a scary good deal that we have at the site. Any sports package, 30% off. You put the promo code SCARY, S-C-A-R-Y, and you get the 30% off any of our sports package. That right there is called a Halloween deal. Trick or treat. They're saying it's not allowed. Nah, bro. It's happening on FantasyAlarm.com. And you're absolutely right, John, with what you're saying. There are plenty of chances to win. And we give you guys not only the tools on the site, but also the tools of human interaction. We've got people in the chat all the time. A lot of my show content, I search the Fantasy Alarm Twitter handle, and I look for questions. I look for players you guys are focusing on for Alarm After Hours. It's your show, damn it. And that's why I'm making sure that you and the players and the topics you want spoken about 
are represented, no matter what we do, any stream, any podcast, any show. James, your final one. Um, For my final one, I wouldn't sports were out and the pandemic was that it's uh, was in full bloom. Um, you know, I was touting DFS boxing for quite a while and I kind of gave up on that dream. Um, I understand that it's just not going to happen, but I was super excited. And I think other people who are maybe into combat sports and, you know, have taken a look at MMA and been like, wow, that's where my attention should be. Well, you know, boxing has shifted its focus to free television and, and more prize fights coming up. And I think that's important for the sport. And I think um, three million eyes were on it this past Saturday. And I think, um, you know, if you like sports, if you like combat sports, I think it could be something that we, you or anybody gets back into um, because the sport is, has a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot of young talent. We just saw a unanimous champion for the first time at 135 pounds, um, beat the number one ranked pound for pound fighter in the world. And that's just um, kind of the way boxing's trending right now. And again, DFS, it's not happening and I get it. Um, but with boxing putting out its free content, um, on ESPN, uh, partnered with Top Rank, one of the biggest promoters in boxing, if not the biggest. Um, uh, it gets a little excitement back into the sport, and um, it deserves uh, some some more love. And I know there's some, you know, skewed judging, and that's why people, you know, will stay away. But I mean, think about umpires, think about refs, think about judges in MMA. I mean, people they get it wrong all the time, and uh, you know, boxing is obviously seemingly more fixed. Um, than other sports, but it's not, they're not perfect, just like referees and umpires aren't perfect. So I think boxing um, deserves a, you know, a round of applause for, for what they did, you know, putting on a free show and, and getting 3 million views at its peak this past Saturday. Um, so I'm bringing, I'm bringing along a hop back on the boxing bandwagon because uh, um, there's a lot of excitement around the sport right now. Let me ask you something, James, because back in the 90s, you had, I mean, everybody essentially planned a lot of history happened, you know, with things at Tyson fights. And a lot of of focus was on Tyson fights. Then it became Evander Holyfield when Tyson was out of it for a little bit. Then Tyson came back. You had to do, then you had Lennox Lewis kind of come in. You had De La Hoya come in. Then you had Mayweather, Pacquiao. But then I feel like once we hit the mid 2000s, I just feel like you're right. The popularity, people don't like it anymore, except when Mayweather's fighting, then it's all of a sudden all eyes are on it again. But what has, what has contributed to the lack of interest in boxing over the last few years, as opposed to maybe even 15 years ago? I mean, I think one, it's definitely uh, the fix. And people think that boxing is, is, a sport that there are money being handed away to judges and, and scorecards are, are there's a lot of corruption um, Two, unlike MMA where Dana White comes in and his board of trustees come in and say, this guy is going to fight that guy. Um, there are too many belts in boxing and there are too many promotions and promoters don't like dealing with other promoters. So we don't see when Errol Spence is fighting on one promotion um terence crawford is fighting the other the two clear-cut best fighters at 147 they can't get a deal because they're promoters not because they don't want to fight it's because their promoters want more one wants more money than the other and vice versa so i think you know 
promoters are ruining it. I think the corruption has really put a a, a sour in people's a sour taste in people's mouths. Um, and, and like I said, MMA doesn't do that. They literally make the best fights. And what do people want to see? The best fights. Period. Right. If you're watching a combat sport, you don't want to watch a one A, a 1A name fight a C-list guy. Period. You don't. You don't care. Um, so I think that has really hurt boxing. And and there are some amazing talents. Like obviously, there's nothing like a Mike Tyson knockout. But there's some Mike Tyson-esque fighters out there um, that people just don't know about because they don't fight the biggest names in the sport. Right. And, and that seems to be changing a little bit. The changing now, and maybe it's pandemic-based because they're just like, screw it, our sport is dying, and this pandemic didn't help, and we need to get some eyes back on the sport. you got to so, sacrifice sometimes. Agreed. You got to okay. give things for free. I mean, again, people don't want to pay for stuff right now. A lot of people 70 bucks a paper. Yeah, dude, no one wants to pay. Let's do that. that seven Chipotle dinners right there, Grande. I use that exact example for literally everything. So, I mean, smart. That's why. Appreciate he's, that. H. James Grande. You could give him a follow at the underscore real underscore Grande. An extra underscore there for domination because that's what he does. You can follow John and Pemba on Twitter at JMPemba777. Catch him with me Monday nights on SiriusXM for Alarm After Hours, Midnight Eastern. Guys, it's been real. And as always, everybody, family times are always with you. The family is always with you through thick and thin. You could be losing like crazy right now, but you could turn that frown upside down. You get in the chats. We'll steer you in the right direction. Always dominate. No other option. We just win just like a family does together as one.